Okay, welcome to Leave No Doubt. I'm enjoyed by Luton Town's James Bree. James, how you doing? Yeah, good, mate. Nice to be here, bro. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, just sat and talked to Harry Cornick uh, about his journey, and obviously yours is, is much different to his. Um, to get started, you're in a very small minority of players um, in football that have made debuts at the age of 16. Not only just a debut, but it was in the championship as well, which is obviously a high level for a player at the age. At age 16 years and four months old, what do you think it was about you then that was able uh, or meant that a manager felt like he could trust you and that you could play at that level? Um, it's a weird one, really. I think I signed for signed for Barnes at around 11, 12 years old. Um, and I was always much bigger than everyone there. I think technically I was probably, I was still a good player, but I was always like a striker, centre midfielder. And they the changed me to like, to, I was a centre mid and a centre back, right back, played a bit everywhere. Um, and because I was so much bigger than everyone, they just started playing me up years. So I was 14 playing 16s and 15 playing 18, stuff like that. And I think I just went in, I was always done done like a decent job wherever I played. Um, and I think obviously, especially at Barnes, there was such a good like connection between the youth team and the and the first team that I was always being watched and I got on really well with all the coaches there. And I think they were obviously pushing me, pushing me on. Um, and it came to the end of the season. I think there was about four or five of us on the on the bench of the first team and obviously I was one of them that, that was lucky enough to get on the pitch so um, yeah I think obviously physically it helped that I was I was big enough to play up an edge and um, obviously technically I could hold my own as well so I think that helped me out a little bit See uh, see now when you know when I watch it I was like friends with Locke so I try and watch Luton games in the last couple of days I've you know I've seen interviews that you've done and, and watch clips on your game and stuff and your physical attributes now are, are obviously great but they probably if I was watching you, I'd say your technical ability outweighed your physical attributes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So when you were, you know, you were 16, obviously you're feeling like you were physically better than other people your age. How much of the physical meant that you think you were involved in the first team compared to the technical? Um, I'd say probably at the start, I think that's what helped me out a lot. I think, um, I think when I look back at my career, when I look back when I was younger, I always think like I've come on technically so, so much, but I think, the basics of the game I was always really good at. So like passing, like receiving the ball and playing like simple passes, like one twos and stuff. I was always really, really good at, which obviously at the time like, I never thought it was too sexy. Like I was never going to like skin like three or four people and like stick one top bins, but like the simple stuff I was really, really good at. And obviously that's what they always said to me, like, oh, the way you receive a ball is really good. But in my own head, it wasn't something that was unbelievable. Cause for me, it was just so, I found it so simple. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's what helped me the most. That I could just, I could no matter where I played, that I could just, I could always keep moving the ball. And I think, obviously, now I've got older, I've realised that technically I'm, I'm a really good player. Um, it just took a little bit of time to actually realise that. Those attributes that you've got, like being able to handle the ball, uh, just being in control in general, obviously of the ball, being able to play a nice pass. Those things aren't eye catching, maybe to a to a young player. Just yeah. you probably half expecting to be able to have that moment of brilliance that supporters or fans or uh, your teammates think, oh my God, this guy's such an amazing player. But mm -hmm. actually, when you think about it, when you look back, like those basics that you became so good at, mm -hmm. ultimately are the, the biggest part of the game, right? I, I mean, for me, I think so, especially especially now, like the position I play, I think it's always nice to get the use and ours from a fan and stuff like that. Like you think like, oh, like I wish it could be a little bit more like that. But I think um, the way I play, like, it's just passing and moving and running off the ball and it's not really going to get, um, it's not really going to get a massive scream out of the fans, but like it's so hard to defend against. Um, so that's one thing that I pride myself on. It's like changing the speed of a game, like passing and then sprinting off someone. 
And I think obviously when I was younger, like that's that's just something that I always done. And because I was playing up, saying 14, playing 18s, like I've already said, like I had to do that because there was players that were probably a little bit bigger and stronger than me at that time. But obviously they switched off and like I could run off the back of them. And I think I just took it from there. I think playing up has helped, helped me massively when I was younger. Um, and I always realised when I went back and played my age group for the FA Youth Cup, just how, how different it was. Um but yeah, I think it's helped. It's helped me a long way. Um, it's just one of those things because I, I used to I used to play five side all the time with my friends when I was younger, and I'd go down, and I actually I actually started with my at Barnes with my best friend who lived up the road from me, and um, Jack Alton he was called, and technically he was a lot smaller than me, but he was just a little little baller, like little ginger kid, like grew up on the streets, like just unbelievable, it's like street footballer kind of thing. Um, and we'd go play five side, and the lads would be looking at him like, oh my god, Alts is unbelievable. And then me, like, not being able to take on, like, a 50-year-old man on, like, the 3G. Um, but, yeah, like, it, it, it comes around, like, now I'm, I'm so comfortable with it. Like, it's, it's really good. How important do you think it is for young players to, you know, maybe to master those basics, but to practice those basics? Because, you know, ultimately, as they get older, mm-hmm. there's not so many moments in games where, you know, I've got the numbers, we'll go through a little bit later, but your assists and your, and your service into the box is obviously exceptional, but mm-hmm. the basics of handling the ball... First touch, finding a pass, weight, direction, angle, all that sort of stuff seems so basic, but it's no wonder like Man City, obviously the best team, like they make everything look so easy. How important do you think it is for young players to really master those basics? I think it's, I think it's super important. I think it's, it's one of those things where everyone, if you, if you practice it enough, everyone can do it. It's such a simple thing to be able to, it's not a simple thing, but it's it's probably the easiest thing to learn because you literally, all you need is a ball. And a wall, just pass it against the wall, take a touch. That's all I used to do when I was younger. Um, I was lucky enough because my dad, um, he, he does gardening and stuff now. So like he made like a little ash turf and that made me like my own footwear, own goal in the back garden. And then he, he stacked up like loads of bricks that he'd got from working on other people's houses and stuff. And so I just stand out in the back garden for hours, just kicking it against this wall, receiving it, having a shot at goal, just do that over and over again. Um, and I think it's just so important that the little little five yard passage, just being able to hold on to the ball, just knowing what to do when you're in tight situations and stuff like that is, it is so important because not everyone's going to be blisteringly quick or be able to do 20 step overs and skin someone. Like it's just the little stuff like little passes and how, how good your touches can take you a really long way. As a 16 year old, I can't imagine you obviously knew much about professional football or, or what it was going to be like at mm-hmm. that age. As you sort of, you know, you started, you made your debut and as you, you start being more and more involved, what did football, professional football, look like for you? How did it feel? Um, it was a strange one, really, because I felt when I went up at Barnsley when I when I was training with the first team, it was, it was so strange because I'd always skipped my own age group, so I never really was with my own with the friends that I came through with. So it was always going up. I was always like getting used to new people and seeing everyone. So I think when I when I finally got up into that first team, I felt like I, be, I belonged there football wise but everyone was so much older than me obviously I was 16 the lads in there were like I think when I made my debut it was quite an old team at Barnes they changed the way they'd done it and they were all like 28 30 so like it was it was strange really because having conversations with people at that age is it's like it's a completely different lifestyle they're all talking about like the the wives the kids families and I'm sat there like I'm, I'm still in school like it's like nothing really that we had in common with each other but the lads there were always really good with me and um and looked after me obviously when I went and trained up with them so um, it was a strange one getting used to it and obviously like the ins and outs of football that I didn't really understand like being in every single day and, and stuff like that and the like 
how you need to look after your body. Like obviously you get used to that, like the older you get. Um, but yeah, it was a strange, strange feeling at the start. That mental part of football, I've just obviously spoken to Harry and his journey is completely different. He, you know, left school, wasn't in a scholarship. Um, just spoken, you know, a funny story about him leaving McDonald's and getting an opportunity to play for Christchurch's first yeah. team. That Like he never played, uh, I was talking about never playing with any pressure because he'd, as a youth player, when you're in an academy, obviously you're always being judged. There's there's new contracts all the time. You're being asked to play up age groups, which I can imagine is pressure, desperate to do well, desperate to impress. Whereas, you know, someone like Harry had never really had that. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, obviously you were able to deal with that super successfully because you made a debut at 16 and ended up staying in, involved with the first team. But how were you able at that age to, you know, deal with the demands of what academy football looks like and feel, feels like? Um. I think it was just the way I've been brought up really. I think my mum and dad were always really, really strong with me. Like they never pressured me to do anything. It was always on my own back. So everything, they were always so good with me, like getting me everywhere and stuff like that, but they never put too much pressure on me to actually, oh, you have to do this. You have to do that. It was all, all on me. So, um, I think mentally, like I used to get super nervous before games and stuff when I was younger. Um, especially like even before I got to Barnes when I was young, when I was really young, like I never wanted to play on a weekend. I'd get there. I hated it. And obviously once we started playing, I was absolutely fine. Um, and I think obviously it was the same when I went to Barnes and I was playing up, I used to get so nervous. So like when the ball first came to me, it was like, right, your first pass is fine. And then I was just growing into the game, growing into it. And I always, I always done really well in the pressure moments that I had to, I had to deal with. Um, so I think it was like that when I made my, when I made my debut and I always remember like my first touch, I remember Nico Cranshaw ran out to me and I've ended up taking a touch around him. And just dribbling with the ball and I play, I think I put a ball into the box or something. I was just like, oh wow, like I can still do it at this level. Like it was quite it's quite all right. But I think um mentally, like I was always quite strong anyway. Um, being able to deal with stuff. And obviously because I had to take the the leaps in the academy at Barnsley, um, it was just something that came quite naturally to me. I think those feelings of nerves before games, especially as a young player, are really relatable. Like I, yeah. I've sort of suffered with similar myself, or like just so desperate to to play well and, mm-hmm. and I suppose impress, especially at that young age, has that worn off over time through your experiences or is it still like an element of nerves in there somewhere? Um, I still do get a little bit nervous, but it's a different kind of nerves. Um, whereas like when I was younger, I'd be sat up the night before thinking like, thinking about the game, everything that I've got to do, like thinking, oh, like what if I don't do this? What if I don't do that? I think that was just because I was young and I didn't really understand my game fully at that time. So like I'd have games where I'd be unbelievable sometimes and I'd have games where I think like, oh, I've not done done as well there. Whereas now like I feel like it's quite, I'm quite confident, it's quite stable. Like, I know I'm going to go into the game. I know that at worst, this is what my performance is going to be. So it's more, the nerves is more now like my routine before a game. Like I'll do the same thing all the time. Like where it's having a rub and then going on the bike and stuff like that where it's like little like, um, just a routine. Like, forgot the forgot the word. Routines for makes you feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah. makes me feel comfortable. Whereas like that's probably me dealing with my nerves. Whereas like actually like I feel completely fine. I don't really get nervous. I'm quite relaxed now before games. I don't think anyone would look at me and be like, Oh Breezy's nervous, do you know what I mean? Because I don't really don't really get at that. I'm quite I'm quite chilled out now before before games and stuff like that. So I think it's just you you grow up and obviously you just start dealing with it better. You get used to it. I think the big thing when I was younger was obviously playing in front of the fans. That was always the biggest Biggest thing you're thinking, oh, I don't want to mess up in front of 10,000 people or whatever it was. Obviously, the older you get, you think like, oh, it doesn't really matter as much. It's super important, isn't it, when you're a young player to mm-hmm. uh, ultimately to impress supporters, like yeah. to, to have that validation from them is, you know, is 
it's massive, isn't it? And mm-hmm. obviously as you get older, you sort of grow out of that feeling of like that you need the the love of, of supporters and you know that it will just come by you just playing well anyway. But during that time then from, from the age of 16 to, I think it was, did you leave at 19? I think I just turned 19. Yeah, it's just January, turned 19. Yeah. That, that sort of three years of being involved in a, in a first team environment. How did you go from, um, you know, James Breeder, physically, uh, physically good, um, always playing up in, in his age group, um, young player that potential to James Bree that Aston Villa ultimately paid a lot of money for? Um, I think there was a lot behind it, really. I think, obviously, I made my debut at 16 and I came in the next next pre-season. I think it was the first year of my scholarship and um, straight away went to Italy with the first team, me and a couple of the other lads um, that I knew, obviously, playing with like the 21s and the 18s, um, went there. And I think... Um, just went from there, really. I think I got involved, obviously, in the in the preseason games. Then I was in and around the first team when the season started. Obviously, I was still sixteen years old, and um, I think it just just being in and training every day. Obviously, like technically, you was all, I was always going to get better um, and just more comfortable with everything. Um, and yeah, obviously, I just got thrown in a couple of times. Like I think I was the second choice right back at sixteen. Um, I think the right back at the time was Reese Brown. I think it was. I always remember getting thrown on at Port Vale. Um, I think it was Mark Marshall. Um, he was a good player. Yeah, a little yeah. winger. He was, yeah. he was. I think Reese. I don't, I don't spoke to him in age, but to be fair to you, he was ripping him up in the in the first half. And I remember the manager going to me, right, get ready. I just want you to show him down the line, just do a job on him. Um, I got thrown on. Obviously, it was just more defending. I can't even remember making a pass in that game, but I was just doing doing a job on him and done okay. And obviously, that like, played a few more games after that. But I think it was just obviously, I think injuries played a big part in it as well because. Um, I had like a, like I didn't have a stress fracture in my back, but like I had the signs of it. So I had like I had like four or five months out when I was sixteen, which kind of stopped me from playing. Then when I came back, my hamstrings were like going a little bit. So it was more like just getting physically strong enough to be ready to play first team football because I got thrown in at such an early age. I don't think my body was quite was quite ready for it, even though I was big and strong enough to play in it. Um, it was breaking down a little. Um, so just getting used to my body a little bit more, and then obviously when I was coming back, doing everything right. And then by the time I was um, 17, 18, I was ready to really kick on and felt like I was really meant to be there. You touched on before about playing in different positions as a youth player, striker, you know, winger, mm-hmm. centre midfielder, defender. Um, and it happens so often, doesn't it, in youth football that, you know, the striker, when he's 15 years old, by the time he's 22, is a left back or, mm-hmm. or a right back or wherever it might be. And yeah. And as you grow older, you you sort of see that your attributes suit certain positions, like your super strengths, like you, your right foot ultimately probably ended up putting you as a right back instead of a, a right winger, mm-hmm. it, it say. Uh, I'm interested now, obviously, for, for people's benefit, young players, especially trying to find their way in the game and, and think how they can be most effective on a match day. What was the process of you figuring out that right back was going to be the position that you could excel in the most? Um, I think for me, it was it was more... Um, the academy coaches who kind of put me into that position. I think I always seen myself as a centre midfielder, and I think if you if you see me in training now, in like five side games, or whatever, I'll always go and play in play in midfield because I want to get on the ball, I want to influence the game and stuff. And I think, well, I think maybe the older I get, like I might end up getting pushed into that position, or maybe going back to centre half, just somewhere more in the middle of the park where I can I can play out and obviously use my variation of passing. But I think at the time, um, I think I was. I think I was 14 or 15. Obviously I was, I was doing really well at my age group playing centre mid. Um, 
And then there was like, right, the under 18s, under eight, we want to push up to the under 18s. And they had two really good midfielders, but they didn't have a right back. So it's kind of like, oh, go and fill in there. Um, and that's just how it all really started, really. I went and, I went and played right back for them, started doing quite well. Then went up to the 21s, done all right, done all right when I played for them. And then obviously once I finally went to make my debut, the first team manager see me play it right back more than he'd seen me play anywhere else. So it's kind of like, oh, we'll, we'll put him on there. So it was kind of just like, it was more filling in for someone, like filling in a position so I could play up and test myself and just end up doing really well there. And it's just stuck throughout the rest, rest of my career. Yeah, I think the overriding features of your game, obviously, the you know, how technically gifted you are. I'm interested to know, um, and it's a conversation I have with, with people about practicing your super strengths mm-hmm. and trying to obviously improve your weaknesses. Yeah. And I wonder in that period of time, obviously in Barney's youth youth academy, which obviously very good, produce a lot of players, on how much you developed the things that you were good at, and how much time did you spend on the things that you weren't? Because, as you know, when you become a first team player, your super strengths are what get you in a team, mm-hmm. and your weaknesses are what ultimately find yourself out of the team. Yeah. So I'm interested to know how, how when you did develop and you were practicing and, and training, how much time did you spend on what you were good at, making it better? Mm-hmm. And how much time did you, you obviously work on your weaknesses at trying to improve those? Yeah, I think um, obviously because I, so, I was so young when I went up to the first team, it was more if the if the old lads wanted to do some finishing afterwards, you'd be like, oh, Breezy, will you come cross for us? And I was like, yeah, like go on, I'd stay out for half an hour after like just crossing balls in for the lads. Like obviously... At the start, they might not be great. And then the more, like, if the lads are getting on you, I say, oh, come on, Breeze, like, crap, you're being crap, whatever. It's like, oh, like, it can't be like that. So she's figuring out different ways to get the ball in. And um, and just obviously making them score goals, like getting assists from in the, in, in the training session. So um, I think, obviously, that was, like, a big thing for me when I was younger was, like, I was just always out crossing balls for the lads after training. And obviously, because I was still, because I was still young, we was always going out and collecting the balls after, because I was on that equipment. We all had jobs and stuff as a scholar. So then I'd stay out for half an hour, 45 minutes with the lads. And then the youth team boys would come out. We'd, we'd mess about outside for an hour, taking free kicks or whatever, just stupid stuff to pass the time. Because we were there for another four hours after the first team lads had gone. Um, so it was just really just like, just being there and just, just kicking the ball and messing about. And I remember um, on the weaknesses side, I think I remember Lee Johnson coming in. And I can't remember how he, I can't remember how he said it to me. He was like, he was like, he had, he was like physically, he, he had this like system. He was like, physically you're an A. Um, but when you get tired, like technically you can be like a B player. And like, I can't remember like how, how he, um, how he worded it. So then he had like a session after training where it was just like ball manipulation. I'd stay out for 40 minutes doing different drills in between cones and stuff like that, just to get used to actually being on the ball and moving the ball and, and different things. I think at the time, I used to think like, oh, like a little bit clumsy or it didn't feel right. I was like, oh, like, why am I 17? Like just dribbling through cones and stuff. Um, but it's weird really because I think in that time it helped me so much because now when I'm on the ball, I just feel so comfortable. Like I can move it each way and that. And I still do it now. Chris Cohen, Chris Cohen at, at, at Luton, he's doing it with me at the minute. I'll come out on a Friday before before training. I'm just dribbling between cones. That's something that I want to work on now is I want to be able to be able to get at people and be able to feel more comfortable taking people on. So that's something I'm still doing now. You still even to this day, even, obviously. Even if, now, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was a big thing that he said to me. He was like, Chris was obviously a fullback as well and he was technically really good. But he said he felt at the same time when he got in front of someone that like he wanted like to develop a little trick or feel more comfortable dribbling with the ball. So he said he used to just dribble in between cones on a night in his house. So he's like, right, let's, let's start doing it. So I've been doing that for like the last six weeks and it's weird how... 
you just start to feel more comfortable because even in training, like I'm, I feel like I want to start dribbling more in games. Like I'm getting more confident to be able to get at people and stuff. Um, so it's just a little stuff like that going back to basics really. And, and I feel, I feel really good for it. How easy is that for you to, you know, because it, I can imagine, you know, only playing the national league. So it's not obviously a great level. You're, you're a fully fledged championship player. You've played in the championship for years and years, but you're still going out to training before it mm-hmm. starts because it would probably be easier to do it after right because yeah. before training always feels like a bit of a uh, of a shot to the ego like oh you going yeah. out before training to, to yeah. practice like it's like lads sort of look at it a little bit funny yeah. you're still able to do that obviously as a playing as many championship games as you had yeah what do you like do you see the benefit in in that is it's just a little it's just little things really i think we've got such a good group of, of lads at Luton that no one's gonna look at you funny for doing for going out or going out early or doing whatever you need because everyone looks after themselves in different ways. So I think for me personally, it's just going out that five, 10 minutes early, just getting a little touch on the ball before the session. And obviously I, just, I want to improve, all of us there want to improve, all of us want to go to the top, we want to keep going, whether that's with Luton or, or someone else. So um, I think for me, it's just all about getting a be- getting getting better as a player and just taking my game to the next level. And if that means I've got to dribble through cones for 10 minutes before a session or stay out for half an hour after doing like little things as well, like... I don't really care to be fair. Like it, it doesn't matter, does it? I think it's such a positive message. Obviously, mm-hmm. coming from you know, if are having a great career, and if if you're able to go out before training and dribble through cones to improve, yeah. like uh, after what you're doing, I, yeah. I don't think, really see the reason why anybody at any other level can't really do that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see, I don't see why it wouldn't. If you know that it's going to make you better, and let's be honest, we're all. I'm 24 now. I still love football as much as I did when I was when I was 10 years old. Like if I could, I could stay, I'd stay out there for hours playing football if I could. Um, so just going out a little bit early and getting on the balls for me, it's better than being in the gym and, and having a little stretch in that because that's something I do need to get better at still. But I know in my body myself like how to get ready for a for a session. And I feel like when I just get out and get on the balls, like I just feel much better for it. So if I was if I was a young kid going out for training, I'd say get there as early as possible and. And, and just do that that's good advice mate and um, touching on this uh, you know obviously a big overriding theme of your career is that you obviously end up going to Aston Villa mm-hmm. but I'm interested to know t- t- trying to flip that in, in a way that such an incredible move obviously and, and such an enormous football club but up until that point that season you left in January right midway mm-hmm. for a season you played yeah. every game for Barnsley up until that point you must have obviously been flying mm-hmm. you go to Villa and for the rest of the season obviously you're part of the first team but you're not playing in every game. Mm-hmm. How did it feel? Because everybody's perception of, of a move like that is like, oh, that must be incredible. Yeah. And I've had like, I've not had a, an amazing move like that, but for me at the time, obviously it was massive. Went from the National League to, to League One. I played with obviously Locks at, at Bristol Rovers, but I'd gone from playing, like being the captain of an Eastie team to joining Bristol Rovers and not being in the, mm-hmm. the starting eleven as a substitute. And I found it really difficult to go from player, regardless of the level, player to not playing. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, as I get your opinion on it, really, that you've gone from superstar at Barn, is it like young player, really gifted, you go to Villa, super excited, I'd imagine, and then not really play in, in sort of up until that summer. What was that like? Um, it was a strange, it was a strange one when I first went to Villa because I just felt I'd done everything right in the pre-season before at Barnsley. I'd hit the ground running when I first started the season. I was just doing really well. And it just became like clockwork. I was just turning up on a Saturday, playing really well, going home, doing the same thing. Like it was just, everything just felt normal. And, um, and obviously when it came around to January, I'd, I think I had six months left at, 
at Barnes in my deal and like there was talks I was talking to my agent and stuff he was like oh like we want you to get like a full year really at, at Barnsley and then obviously like the deal like got offered a few deals from like different clubs and stuff and it just seemed at the time the Villa move seemed right because we Barnsley was actually above Villa at the time in the table um but obviously Villa being such a big club and like the players I had there I was like right I'm I'm going to Villa and I'm going straight into that team that's what that's what was said to me um so I was just full of confidence when I went there and I think I think I started the first game against Nottingham Forest. Can't remember if I played right back or right wing back and I'd done really well. Like it was we ended up losing one 0 I think Brereton Diaz came on for his debut and ended up bagging in like the ninetieth minute or something. So that that killed me a little bit. But it just it was it was a strange one going from just playing every single week to then being like out of it a little bit. And obviously me being young, I was like getting thrown into like the twenty threes a little bit for games, like match fitness and stuff like that and it was a bit of a shock to the system, but I think at the time, because I was still young, it was like, oh, like this is just how it's going to be at a, at a big club like this. Um, so rather than really kicking on and kicking up a fuss and being like, oh, like I need to be playing, I need to be playing, I think I kind of sat back a little bit and just kind of let it happen because I think especially at that age, like I'm still, I'm still quite quiet now, so I was never going to go into that change room full of big people and just... And starting like, nah, this is me. Like, I need to be playing. I need to be doing that. So, it was it was really strange at the time. But obviously, it was just one of those things that that, that happened like that. At a massive elite football club like Aston Villa. What do you, you know as a young professional footballer? Who, really, you hadn't ex- obviously experienced any other club, any other changing room. Mm-hmm. You go to this. I know that obviously at the same level, but the the I can imagine the facilities and the just like the level of the club obviously was much much bigger. What did that do for you and your football lifestyle? Um, how were you able to develop into, you know, that elite uh, footballer from from when you moved from Barnsley? I think it was just, obviously, the club itself was unbelievable. The facilities were, were crazy. It was nothing that I was really used to compared to compared to Barnsley. And I loved it. I loved it at Barnsley. Like everything, I thought they had everything there, but I went there. It was just, just a different level. But I think just getting to where I am now, it was just being around those those players that had been that had played in the Premier League for so long that had every single attribute you could think of. There was, I, I remember El Mahamedi at the time signed um, at right back whilst I was there, and he, he's, his touch and cross was just unbelievable. He had it unlock every single time, so it was just I'd stay out for age with him and Alan Hutton, and just we'd just be crossing balls, like I said, and just watching him and how he'd done it, and he'd give me like little tips. And I think, I think being around those players who were were so good and were used to that standard, it kind of kicks you on because you don't want to be the one who's who's lagging behind or who's letting everyone down. So you have to be at it every single day. You had to you had to train well in setting in training just to be able to get a sniff of being of getting a game because I think it was really, really stop start for me there and I never really kicked on like I know that I could have if I went back to somewhere like that now. Um so yeah, it was just obviously the facilities and that were unbelievable. You had everything that you needed, so it was just getting used to like really what you needed to do. And I think at that age, I hadn't really figured out football yet and how I needed to really what I needed to do to be ready all the time. And I think that's just something that comes with age. And I think now, like I've really really settled, and I'd, I'd be I could really exceed in the um, environment like that. I think that your development as a player obviously is as now we see it on a, a you know on a regular basis at Luton now you're obviously playing such high level how important do you think those that mindset that you've got because often now you, you know you look at young players these days and the culture is shifting a little bit in terms of like that 
like you've gone to Aston Villa and um, and been told you were going to go straight into the team. But what's actually happened uh, is you've not probably played as much as you wanted to, but you've gone to, you know, Hutton and uh, El Mohamedy who are playing in your position and you're asking questions. You're trying to, you're trying to learn from the pair of them. So obviously they are great careers. Mm-hmm. Whereas the culture of youth football now is, is going in a way that sort of young players aren't, aren't asking questions. They're not looking for advice. They're not necessarily trying to learn as much. Mm-hmm. They think they know, you know, their own game at a very young age and, and don't necessarily put the focus on developing. How important was it? And you've obviously not got an ego. I can, uh, you know, I can speak to you now and yeah. know that, but that you didn't have an ego. You went to Villa and, and you still tried to learn, still tried to develop and you didn't allow that. I've gone to Aston Villa to, to sort of change your, the, the way that you wanted to work. Yeah, I think it's it's so important to have that mindset, I think, and in all aspects, because even now, like I was saying before, you can always get better, no matter how old you are, what age you are. And I think that was just it at the time. Like, I wasn't playing, I wasn't playing, the, the them two lads were ahead of me. Like, obviously, there were some unbelievable players there. It was like, why not, why not ask questions? Why not find out what they do and how, how they feel when, when they're playing and what they see? Because for me, like, I still had so much to learn. And they'd been there and done it and they were still doing it at that level. So it was just, it was just, I never, it never really even crossed my mind not to, not to ask those questions because I don't understand why you wouldn't, why you wouldn't want to do it. And obviously there was times when I was sat there thinking like, obviously as everyone does, like, oh, I'm better than these two. I should be playing, blah, blah, blah. But even then, like they had things in their game that I didn't quite have. So it was like, I'm going to ask them and see from their experience what they think they should be doing because they obviously knew they obviously knew so much more than me football wise because of the rage and, and what they'd experienced. So what sort of questions are you giving us insight to um to what those conversations look like? Mm-hmm. What sort of questions would you ask and what sort of answers would you get? It's just well, it was more with with Hutz, it was more just like one V one defending and stuff like that because I used to watch him I used to watch him in training and no one no one would really get past him. So it was just asking him like in certain situations, like say there's you two V one, like how how do you deal with that? Like how what positions do you put your body in? Like, how do you, like, what do you think? Like when you're in those situations and he just, he just taught me through it. And obviously like say like what the best option is in that time, because I think, especially when I was younger, I'd be so excited to get out to a player and want to defend against him that it'd be, so, it'd be quite easy for someone just to pop it around me or move the ball. I think that's something that I pride myself on now is that I've got so much better defensively. Um, and I think he was obviously a key factor in that because he was just always telling me about you let the ball go out and then you get out there and you try and stop it. It's all about moving your feet, keeping quick feet. And that's something that I've worked on, just that little like, agility, like going through cones and stuff because I've got really fast feet now so I can move my body quickly. And the same with El Mohamedy, like I'd watch him in training and his balls would be on point every single time. His crossing was so good. And he just, he'd always put the ball into a position that he knew was good for him to cross it. So he'd like, he'd rolled his foot on the ball and he'd put the ball in front of him. And he said that he always done that because he liked the ball being like dead in front of him. And then he could like get his foot around it and whip it into position that he wanted to do. So that was just something that I watched him. And like, I speak about it with Chris Cohen now, cause he always, he does it with me cause I've told him. And he's like, if your first touch isn't great, I kind of know where the ball's going to go. So like, if my first touch goes where I always want it to go, my cross will be good as well. So it's just like little minor details that you think like you wouldn't probably notice when, when you was watching it, but in when you, when you practice it and obviously when you're doing it in games, like, you know, like, oh, like that's, that's what you should be doing. So it's just, just little things like that. 
you come across as a real student of the game, mate, someone who's, you know, is willing to learn, who yeah. watches and, and tries to understand. Have you always been that way or, or you've sort of developed into that sort of person? I think when I was when I was younger, I loved football so much. I wanted, I'd sit down and watch it and then half time I'd go out in the back garden, I'd be kicking the ball about and I'd come back and watch the second half of the game. I think the older I've got, the less football I watch. I don't really watch football as much now. But obviously when it comes to like clips and like making myself better, like I'm, I'm, I'm quite big on that. So like I'll, I will, I'm always willing to learn, do stuff like that. But when it comes to actually watching football and, and studying other people, it's not something that I do too much actually, but I do still really, I just, when it comes to m- myself and wanting to get better, it's something that I, I take pride in. The process of, um, you just said they're watching clips. Mm-hmm. It's not actually something I've, I've spoken to many players about really. So for whatever reason, it's not come up in many conversations, but can you give an insight to people? Because not everybody obviously listening to this podcast will be a player. Um, and at, at different levels, obviously different players get access to, to clips or not. I think there's a, something called VO, which basically like films sort of like the, the lower level games. But mm-hmm. I think everybody really at any level now can get access to their match footage. Can you, Give us an insight into the process of what you do with your match clips, um, how you watch them, why you watch them, and what you end up doing with them in the end. Yeah, um, I think it's really simple here at Luton because the, the analysis is is bang on it. Like he's got everything, everything sorted. So we have we have meet like we have unit meetings. So defenders, midfielders, attackers the day before a game. They'll go through like their key players, like how they like to play, um, the passes of play that they have, the goals they've scored, like free kicks are absolutely everything so we know all information and then individually you'll get sent out um the players that you will likely be playing against so like what foot they are then like a little um like a little paragraph of how they play what they're good at what they might not be good at and then obviously the clips of them doing that in game so obviously you can watch and for me personally I find it quite it's quite helpful because you can watch what they like to do, say they're, they're right footed, they like cutting inside. So you kind of know like, right, I need to cut that off and send them down the line. Um, just little stuff like that, that obviously it's a little one percenters that obviously help you when you come into the game because you know what they like doing. Obviously they might come out and do something completely different, but in your head, you know that you're ready for what they like to do. And it just makes you feel so much more comfortable in that game situation because you know if you force them down where they don't want to go, it makes it, your job so much easier. And what about the the process of your own match clips? So say okay. you've played on a Saturday and you you know, you probably get sent your clips on, mm-hmm. on a Sunday or a Monday, I guess, the training. Yeah. When you watch them, like what are you looking for? Um, what do you do with the you know, with what you're seeing? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you process, you know, that situation? Yeah. I mean, first, like obviously if you've done something well in the game, that's the first thing you want to go and watch. So I'm skipping everything to go and see like the the good parts. Um and after that, I'll sit down and just go through go through everything. Because I think it's obviously, I'm still, I was always bad when I was younger at dealing with um, like a mistake or something like that. So I think it's got something that I've got so much better at. So obviously when you watch yourself, if you do like a bad pass, you're still like, still like cringy a little bit. Like, oh, that was, that was rubbish, you know what I mean? But I think it's just watching it and just seeing what could I have done in that situation. So you'll pause it, say you've done a simple pass inside. Could you have played the ball down the line or got, got it forward? So just knowing that you actually have more time when you watch it back than you think you do in the, in the game. Um, so it's just little things, just always thinking like, how can I improve? How can I do things different? Because I think watching them back, like it's 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 probably 15, 20 minutes of your time sat at home on the sofa, just whilst I'm, I'm not going to be doing anything anyway. Um, 
just to really watch it and know know how you played and what, what else you could do. Would your advice be to people to, to obviously watch stuff back then? Because say necessarily like you have a bad game, mm-hmm. like you'd still watch that back. Yeah, I would like, I think no matter, no matter if it's good or a bad game, I think you always watch it back just to see, just to know what you've done right, right or wrong really, because obviously you can always, like I keep preaching, you can always get better and you can know, well, why, why was I doing that? Why was it my touch that was, was it my touch that was bad that put me in that situation to get tackled or could I have moved the ball forward earlier to then, to then go forward or something like that? So just little simple things really like that, that that help so much. I think it's tough that, isn't it? Because like your ego is probably telling you not to yeah. watch that because it's yeah. going to hurt you. But I think ultimately, once you do, and and it's not often always as bad as what you think mm-hmm. it might be. It's you know, like you're saying, you, you can end up getting solutions instead of you know adding to problems by by not watching it. Yeah, I think that's that that is the thing though, because you feel so much different in game and how it's going than you than it actually is when you sat back and you've come away from the game. It's been a couple of days and you watch it back, everything's completely different. So there might be times where like you think you've took a bad touch and then your pass wasn't great, but then you watch it back and like actually like it might have been a mistake from the forward or actually like it ended up working out or you've tried something and it's come off and you think like, oh like I can I can do that again. So everything always just feels everything always looks different when you watch it back on clips a couple of days later than it actually feels in the game. So it's obviously it's just to get a different insight on it. In the you know, eight years that you've you're only 24, mate. You've still mm-hmm. been playing professional football for eight years. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. By the time you finish, we get to my age, mate, you're going to be about 20 years deep. <laughs> yeah. But in that eight years, you know, you, you've played for big clubs, it, obviously in the championship, in, in massive games, you, you've played in front of a lot of people. Um, you've dealt with the pressure of coming through, you, you know, that youth system and, and playing in ages above, dealing with the nerves that you feel before a match day. Uh, you know, just giving us an insight into into how you learn and 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 that this whole mental process um, is difficult, right? You know, football's really really challenging mentally. Um, do you think that you were born with the attributes needed to be able to deal with football mentally, or do you think that you've learned them over time? Um, that's a tough one. I think it's something. I think it's a little bit of both, really. Um, because my mum and dad are both quite quite mentally strong. They were both. They're both af- like athletic. Both my mum was a PE teacher. She played like cricket, badminton, all that kind of stuff. My dad was a rugby player. He went in the army. Then he was a fireman. So I think obviously they instill a lot of what of meant like my mentality. They instilled that into me when I was younger of what what I need to be like, how to deal with certain situations and stuff like that. And I think at the same time, I think because like genetically they were both athletes, and I I probably was growing. My sister was quite quite good with stuff like that as well. I think I have grown into it because of the environment that I grew up in and stuff like that. But at the same time, I think there was a little bit of of luck really that I think I just knew how to deal with it and the type of person I am is I can just brush it off and, and get on with it. So what did uh, like what did dealing with, you know, the the challenges that sport brings look for, like for you as a young as a young kid then? It just I think everything came I'd be, I'd be lying if I said I think everything came quite easy for me when it came sports wise when I was younger I was really good at everything so like I played I started off playing rugby because obviously my dad played rugby so I, I'd done that until I was about eight eight years old so I didn't actually play football um, in a team until I was about nine um, so I was, I was just playing I was just playing anything that I could if I was at if I was at school whether it was rounders cricket badminton my mum and dad played badminton so I played badminton on a Wednesday as well Wednesday nights so I actually played in their league with them when I was 14. Obviously I was still at Barnes and I was playing on a Wednesday night in, in that badminton matches and stuff. So 
the struggles really it wasn't it wasn't too much it was just they just let me go out and do anything that I wanted to do and then it was up to me to decide obviously when I got to a certain age and I probably really when when I signed for Barnes it was like hang on a minute like I can actually make something of this and I started realizing that yeah I'm I've got a chance is when like I really started taking football more more seriously and obviously like getting away from getting away from everything else as much um but like struggles wise I'd like I'm quite fortunate to say I never really had had much of them really when I was young because it was all just going out and having fun and then obviously everything that came with it you just you dealt with it at the time so what sort of stuff would you advise that young guys do and I keep obviously referring to young guys because mm-hmm. you made your debut when you were 16 and if that's something that people want to emulate mm-hmm. it's going to be really tough because you know modern day football doesn't really promote 16 year olds playing they have to mm-hmm. usually go through that 18s and 21 system to, to be ready for a first team yeah but if young guys who were ready to just leave school or even at school who, who, who want to make debuts, obviously there's been a couple of kids this season, Arsenal kid has ended up coming on. Um, I think it's a lad at Fulham that's ended up coming on as a young boy. What do young guys, 14, 15, 16, need to be doing if they want to be ready for first-team football at, at a super young age? I think um, obviously everyone's different. So it's 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 everyone's different so you deal with situations different but I think you've just got to put yourself in the best situation possible to get where you want to be so whether that's, that's what I was doing I, I, you feel like you're missing out sometimes when you're at school whether it's like not going to a party or not being able to to go out and stuff but I think you've got to put yourself in those situations where you are you're still getting the most out of being a young kid and enjoying yourself but obviously then taking yourself out of the situations that you know like can go wrong so I would I would still go to parties, but like I'd leave super early. I wouldn't drink. Um, obviously, everyone would stay there and be like, "Oh, you missed like such a good night." And obviously, mentally, you kind of think like, "Oh, like I'm missing out so much here." And then you look back and you think, "Hang on a minute, like I've done I've done the right thing." So then it's just just go go to training every week, do the right like train hard, do everything properly. Obviously, enjoy yourself whilst you're at school, do everything right, and then obviously when it comes to when it comes to the weekend, you know that you've, you're in the best situation possible to be ready for that game and do the best you can, really. Good advice, mate. Mm. The uh, I want to talk to you more than, uh, you know, about Luton, really, in the last couple of years because you've played in almost every single game that you've you, you've been there for. You've gone from a team who's avoided relegation to, you know, to challenging for the Premier League in, in the playoffs last season. How have you been able to play, you know, so well and so consistently over the last few years? Um you know, and go from that team who's, you know, uh, who were relegation bound possibly in, in the championship to uh, pushing to push into the Premier League. What's happened? I think it's just like a, a shift in, in mindset really and really just believing in myself because I think obviously when I first came on loan initially, um, when Luton first got into the championship, we, um, I think as a team, we struggled a little bit um, the first like half of the season and then Personally, I was playing every single game, but like I'd, I'd have good games, I've had crap games. Like I think the fans were probably on me a little bit at the time as well, and I think it was just it was just dealing with that. And I think obviously we had COVID and we had lockdown halfway through that season, um, and I think obviously we had twelve weeks away from football, and there was nothing else to do. And I was like, I'm just going to get. I had two weeks just messing about, obviously doing whatever I wanted at home, and then I was like, right, we didn't know if it was going to go back. I was like, I'm just going to get myself in the best. Uh, position possible going back so it was just running every day doing the gym like getting physically super super fit and I think when eventually we did go back to Luton at that time I was in such a good spot physically and mentally because I was so ready to go back obviously football was the only thing we could focus on 
and I'd got myself in such a good position that when I came back, I was absolutely flying. And I always say like now when I, if I talk to people, people ask me like lockdown really, really helped me really. I think it's probably took my career to where it was now because I was probably in an in-between zone where I'd done okay at Luton, but I was going to go back to Villa. I probably, they probably wouldn't have took me back. So I went back, um, went back to Luton, absolutely flying, done really well there. Obviously we ended up staying up on the last day of the season. Then it was like, right, we want, we want to take you back. So when that situation, when that, when that came up, I was, I was dying to go back and then I was just ready to get it. People, you know, were train at home uh, through the summers and stuff mm -hmm. like that. You, you know, lockdown ended up being sort of like a, a weird off season in yeah. a way, didn't it? Where, yeah. where sort of lucky, like I was running most days similar to you, but not anywhere near as fit as you are, you know, for the benefit of other people who are, if they're at home, they wanted to try and get fit or, you know, they're not in a, in a train or they might be in a training environment, say if it's part time and they want to get fit the other mm -hmm. days, what sort of stuff were you doing? Like specifically what runs were you doing? Yeah. Where were you getting your info from? Um, and that, you know, what did that sort of lockdown preseason that you've done yeah. look like? It was just, just anything really, obviously Luton sent, um, they sent like, um, running sessions and stuff like little gym sessions through um, for you to do at home. But obviously there was, I was so bored during lockdown. There was nothing else to do. It was like, why not? Why not use the time, my time wisely? So I was, my friend's a PT. So I was getting him to send me over gym sessions. So I'd do like, I'd do a gym session every single morning. Then I'd do legs a couple of times a week. And then obviously I'd go out on a walk and then I'd run on the treadmill, do like a 5k on there. And then obviously it was just like different stuff. The next day I'd go to, go to the pitch, I'd do a long pitch session. I'd be down there for two hours. And then it's just like, just little stuff like that really. I think if you, if you've got the time and you're, if you've got the time to do it and you've got the effort and you want to do it and you want to get fitter and stronger, I think as long as you're doing something active, then it's going to work for you. Obviously everyone's different, but I was just doing, I was doing 5Ks, I was doing hill sprints. I was just doing absolutely anything really, but just seeing, seeing what worked for me and obviously it did. I felt so, so much more powerful and so much more fit when I came back and I've just carried on, carried on that. Yeah. How have you been able to, to stay? Cause obviously when you're playing in a season, it's difficult mm -hmm. to be smashing fitness, obviously yeah. during the week. How have you been able to, you know, maintain that level whilst obviously being able to play on match days? Yeah. I think once I started, once I started being like that, I think it just makes you realize your body. So I started looking after myself a little bit more. So like my diet's got so much better, like how much I eat, what I'm eating, um, obviously taking advice from the nutritionist at Luton for what what to do to get ready for a game, and I'm quite I'm quite big into the gym as well. So I'll go to football, I'll train there, do a little bit of gym after football, come home, I have a nap, I'll go to the gym again on a night, like go in the pool stuff like that. Have a stretch just because it's quite boring sometimes. But everyone says well being a footballer is so fun, but like you, it's quite boring sometimes because you get back from football you about two ish, then you've got all day where it's like, well, I can't really go out, I can't go really have like a nice meal, can't go do this and that. Sometimes if you're getting ready for a game, it's like, what else can I do? So my normal day is really boring. I'll go and train, come back, have a nap, wake up, have some dinner, go to the gym, come back, sleep. Do you know what I mean? So like, it's just, just little stuff like that where like, for me, doing the gym helps me feel stronger. It helps me feel better mentally as well. And then I just know that I'm ready when it comes to on the weekend to, to play my best. It's, uh, it's refreshing, obviously, you know, to hear about your, your daily routines mm -hmm. and stuff because, You've touched on in the, earlier on in this conversation that you don't watch loads of football, but mm. you obviously dedicate your life to to being a football player, yeah. right? So, you know, this perception of some people have a perception of that, that footballers shouldn't do too much gym, and 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 it's it, it's wrong. You're obviously, mm -hmm. you know, living proof that 
that that's incorrect and you're able to stay physically you know at such a high level to perform consistently every week mm-hmm. what are you doing like in in these gym sessions like how are you able to maintain the the levels of physicality that you've got like who do you get the information off um and if for whatever reason you know guys don't have access to a sports scientist like you might do where would they go for for information that might help their game um i think obviously I was quite lucky that obviously I'm super lucky that Luton can sort everything out. So I kind of know what I'm doing and just throughout being with football, I kind of know what I can do on certain days and, and what I can't do. But I think if I wasn't involved in football, obviously again, I've been, I've been really looking. My sister went to, um, my sister went to uni, done like sports nutrition, all that kind of stuff. My cousin went and done sports science. But I think if you just get, not everyone has to do it, but if you have a friend who, who goes to the gym and knows that doing or if you know a PT in your area who can, who can look after you, because they can just they can build everything around you and your timetable just to go out and, and actually do stuff. And I think that's I was quite lucky that I had a mate who was a PT back home who used to like sort me out and do stuff. Then it was kind of just on me to to figure out what what I need to do and what and what works for me. Because um, a lot of the lads don't want to. A lot of the lads, everyone's different, really. Some lads don't gym as much and and they feel fine. Where I I feel like I have to do extra when I get back because I've got so used to doing it that if I don't do it, I just don't feel right. So I'm not doing crazy amounts, but I'm doing like a little bit of upper bodies or um, if I'm at football and I will do like a leg session, I'll go and do like a little bit of body weight on a night. Um, or if I'm doing a power session at football, then I'll go home and I know that I can do like a bit of like, just stupid, like stupid stuff, chest, back, stuff like that. Just it makes me feel better and it's not going to affect me too much on a weekend. Something that you've mentioned earlier that sort of fixated in my mind because, uh, you know, often desperate to try and withdraw information from you that's going to help people improve their their games and got often that's the you know the pitch stuff and the gym stuff um you know recovery stuff but something that you've mentioned there you've mentioned of your sister's a sports nutritionist and you've mentioned food um and how you sort of changing your diet and speaking to a nutritionist has managed to help you i think it's such an important part of elite football you know not so much my level obviously players try and stick to uh, some sort of diet mm-hmm. but your level to to play uh, consistently the way that you want to diet's super important right mm-hmm. so can you let me know like what your diet looked like how it changed and, uh, uh, and what it looks like now and how important is that for you to perform yeah I think it was just just when I was when I was probably when I was younger obviously when I was at Villa like I'd moved away for the first time I didn't know how to cook I was living in the in the city centre in Birmingham so I just wasn't I wasn't in my head, I wasn't eating badly, but I was just eating the wrong things. So I'd come back from training, couldn't be bothered cooking straight on delivery, get like some, some sort of meal on there, like think like, oh, like I'm not eating too bad. And then it's just like the snacks that I'd be eating crisps, stuff like that. Like not really like properly looking after myself. Obviously the older I've got, the more I've realised like, I've learned to cook a little bit. So I'm not a great cook by by all means, but I know like the little, the simple stuff like chicken and rice or like it's boring really, but it's what you need to do day in, day out to, to, to be better and feel better. Um, so yeah, re- really like I'm, I'm eating, I'm waking up and having an omelette, eating at the food at football, which is always good anyway. Like I'll have a big meal there, protein shake, come back, have a nap and then just having a big meal on a night as well. Maybe like a salad throughout the day or something like that. Obviously I have days where I'm eating rubbish. Like if like day of, um, night of a game after a game like you can treat yourself a little bit and stuff like that but I'm never just going never going too crazy really I think it just obviously it, help, it helps me so much and I think some people can 
some people can eat more rubbish some people can't i know that if i started eating crap i'd put weight on so quickly because that's that's just the way my body is so i know i've got to look after myself a little bit more it sounds like a big part of your game is routine mm-hmm. yeah thousand percent. How, how important has that become has that always been important to you or I don't not not as not as much when I was coming up. I think it was it was different. It's just the more I've played, I know what works for me now. So I know day in day out really what I'm going to be doing, and it's it's not that fun or interesting. But I know that that's what works for me. So I'll eat similar stuff on certain days. I know the day before a game, I'm going to eat. Lo- I'm probably going to have. I'm going to eat loads. Of, I have like a pasta bar at football, so I'm going to eat loads of that, and then I'm going to have chicken, like loads of rice on a night, just carving up. And then it's just that simple stuff. Like each day, like the Saturday to Saturday is different to a Saturday Tuesday. So like, you know, you can eat more when there's three games in a week. Saturday, Saturdays are a bit different. So routine's massive for me because I just know, I know that I'm going to be bang on it and ready for the game. And mentally, if I know that I've not done something, it is just sat there in the back of my mind thinking, oh, well, I've not done that. So it's kind of like, if I don't think I've played well enough, I've that excuse in my head as well. You're an idiot for not going to the pool and stre- or stretching or whatever it is. So it's, I put it on me. So I think, you know, this routine almost holds you accountable as yeah. to, would you, like, I know everybody's different and, um, uh, and you know, some people, routine's not as important. They just float by and, and not do anything. But for you, do you, you think routine's become super important and you'd advise other people to do that? I think, it, obviously, that, that does work for me. So I'd say if you know when you get to a certain point and you know that something works and you've been performing well doing that, why would you not? keep doing that and keep that same routine because it's proven that it works. So keep doing that. Whereas some people might just go and do whatever they want and still be able to turn up on a weekend and do and do whatever. And I think I, I have been able to do that in the past um, where obviously my football abilities took me to that, to that point. But for now with the consistency that I want to play at, I like being able to, I like knowing what I'm doing and knowing that I feel a certain way going into a game that I'm ready for it. And I've got no excuses. So, for somebody with a routine like you, obviously this is important to your process for, for a match day. What's the process of things being included in the routine or being taken out of the routine? Um, I think it just depends really. I think um, people say I'm like, when I, when I tell people my routine, they think, oh, like you're superstitious. And I'm like, I don't feel like I'm superstitious, but I do do the exact same thing before every single game. So I'll talk, I'll talk you through it. Like, I get to football like 20 minutes early. I go straight in for a rub. I have the same rub. I have my quads done, my back done, my hammies done. Um, then I'll go on the bike. I time, I do like four minutes, 22 on the bike. Every, like every time I stop it. Um, it's just like stupid stuff. Like if if I if we won the game that week and I played really well, then I'll do that again. Then obviously I'll stretch and then I've got the same thing, putting my shin pads on, right foot for right thing first, left foot. But it's just, it, in my head, I think, the way I've done that and it's worked before, I just keep doing it. So then sometimes if it doesn't work and I end up doing something different and then that works, it's like, oh, well, I'll do that again the next week. So like adding and taking stuff away, like I think you just do what, what works for you. Sometimes it's just lucky and it just happens like that. Uh, people might think I'm crazy for being like that, but I think obviously everyone's got their own little thing that they do, don't they? And I think that's just what, that, what, that's what yeah, helps I mean, me. I can relate to you uh, yeah. big time, mate, with that. Like I've, yeah. I've got things... I suffer with nerves, like similar when you talked about when you were a kid, you yeah. obviously got quite nervous. I've, I've always suffered with, with nerves before mm-hmm. games and stuff. And I felt like this, you know, the routine that I end up growing into helped me sort of control that feeling of, of nervousness. Yeah. That's sort of like I was in control of what mm-hmm. I was doing. So, you know, I walk out the changing room door second, even like I'm the captain yeah. of my club at the moment. I let the goalkeeper walk first mm-hmm. and then I follow him. 
Um, like I'll tap my legs six times before kickoff on yeah. all these little things. Like I don't, I don't see them now as like, uh, as it, you know, cause they can be seen as like that you're mentally weak almost, yeah. I suppose. Like mm-hmm. I like our oh, superstition. Why do you need to do that? It's only really to make me feel more comfortable. So I can yeah. completely relate with you in that. Do you think that, you know, over time that routines managed that like for other guys, people watching this and, and probably parents of kids who, who might get super nervous for games and stuff that having that routine has managed to, you know, to help those, I get, you, you know, I'm not saying that you get nervous for games now, but sort of that pre-match routine helps the process of you playing well on a match day. I, I, I think so. I think it does massively. Yeah. Um, like I said to you, I used to get really nervous when I was younger and I think it has helped in a way because I think it probably is just me now dealing with the little bit of nerves that I have left. Whereas I still think if I didn't do my routine, I wouldn't be super nervous because I'm comfortable now in the situation of going out on a weekend and playing, but it does just help to get me fully prepared for it. And obviously if you know that you've got five things to do before a game, you're not going to sit there worrying or thinking, what what's going to happen some people do sit there before a game and think like oh what could go wrong what's going to happen today am I playing against some I might be playing against a really good player like what what are they good at rather than thinking about like this is just what I'm going to go out and do today so I think it just helps me kind of compartmentalize really like I can just I'm just dealing with myself I'm looking after myself I'm not worrying about who I'm going out and playing against it's just all about me and I think that's one thing that's helped so much is that instead of worrying about who you're playing against, just worry about yourself. You you look after what you can look after, and everything will everything after that's gonna gonna you're gonna do well. That's great advice. Mm-hmm. The uh, we actually had an FA Cup game like years, years ago. I was playing with Tom Lockie, obviously he's a, mm-hmm. a teammate of yours now. Friday night FA Cup game against Notts County with the league below us, and uh, for the always walk out the changing room door second yeah. for the warm up and the game yeah. uh, for kickoff and uh, before and at halftime. And for whatever reason, it's not county dressing room. Like I couldn't see the the changing room door. I mean, the boys were walking out for the warm up. All of them just rushed out the door. I was fuming. I was like, I was like, lads, like, I need to. Anyway, I'm getting pent up in the warm up, and I don't feel too comfortable. Game starts. Walk out the changing room door second for the kickoff. But game starts within ten minutes. It was like didn't have many assists, but like yeah. I've crossed the ball in. Someone's headed in. We're one nil up. Ten yeah. minutes. Everyone's whacking me on the head. Like, oh, you don't need to walk out second. Rah, rah. Yeah. Five minutes later, we've got a corner. Corner comes in, 2 nil up within 15 minutes on a Friday night. You think, oh, I've got the weekend off. It's going to yeah. be amazing, right? Party time. Everyone's tapping me on the head again. We don't need to walk out second. Rah, rah. We got beat 4-2 in the game, right? <laughs> so after the yeah. game, I said, look, lads, like, I know it's funny, but never, ever yeah. walk out in front of me in the changing room door again. So I felt yeah. like the whole game, like as soon as we started getting spanked, basically, yeah. I just felt just horrendous. Felt like I couldn't you, stop yeah. thinking about it. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard though, isn't it? Cause sometimes like, obviously everyone else has got their own routines and change room as well. So like, it's not something that I go and tell everyone what I'm doing, but it just happens. Like it always happens like that. Like I think everyone has their own thing and you go and do that. But it's funny that you say that because I've had games where I've not done a certain thing and then something bad happens and you just like, that's because I didn't, that's because I didn't do that in the, in the warm up. Do you know what I mean? So, and I completely understand you, man. Uh, right. I'm going to finish off with the quick fires, but I'm, I'll probably ask you a little bit more about each answer that you give mm-hmm. me. Um, but the first one is what is the best piece of advice you have ever received in your career? Um, that's a good question, man. I think it's just, just, um, just be yourself. Let's just be yourself. Just go out and just do what you can do, control what you can control. And then you don't really have to worry about nothing else because if you know, if you're in a place where you're strong enough to, to go out and compete, you don't really have to worry about 
about anyone else. I think um, you just be like actual like little bits of advice. I've got so much pieces over my whole career, but I think that's just something my dad always used to say to me is just be yourself. Worry about what you're, I think I've said it before, worry about what you can control and everything else comes after that. That came from your old man. Yeah. 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 It's a message what you, you still to this day you use. Yeah. He just, he's, he always sends me like a little message before a game, just like, um, be strong today, son. Um, good get whatever. Do you know, like little, little things like that. And I'm just like, we'll do dad. Like we'll do like, of just little things. And I think, um, it's just, it just helps me massively. It's been so good for me throughout my career. I think it's just something that always sticks in me now. It's just, especially where I am at the minute, it's just obviously look after yourself and then everything falls into place after that. We've obviously just been discussing routines and my mm. dad's very similar to yours. He sort of always texts me before any mm. game, wherever he is. Yeah. And, uh, and it's probably part now part of their routine, right? So yeah. like, if I know that if I didn't, if my old man didn't text me and I didn't for whatever reason play very well, I would yeah. be, he'd probably think that it was his fault for not messaging yeah. me. And uh, I think, especially my parents, like, I, I love them to bits. They come to every single game. Obviously, they still live in Wakefield, where I'm from, which is probably about two and a half hours to get to get to here. They're there every game. I'll see them for 10, 15 minutes after a game. My mum my and dad get... My, my dad heads every single ball in the stands. My mum says she's got bruises on her arm because he's up heading balls and stuff. Do you know what I mean? So he loves it. Obviously, my mum comes down as well. She loves watching me play, but she gets so she gets not as much now, but especially before because she's comfortable with me at Luton. But she used to get so nervous. Like it's hard for for, for parents sometimes when they're when they're in, in with the fans because you never know what you're going to hear about you. So they don't want to hear that. Do you know what I mean? Especially when I was at Villa, they just didn't enjoy it as much because. Obviously, it was such a big club, and like the fans would get on you if you weren't playing so well. And I think it's just something that they actually had to deal with as well. Um, but no, the routine for them, my dad will always, my mum will send, I'll speak to my mum the night before a game, if we're away, if I'm at home, have a little 20 minute chat to them too. Then my dad will always send me like a nice text before a game. And then he'll, even though I'm seeing him after, he'll always give me like a little rundown afterwards that, like, oh, well played today, so I'm really, really aggressive or not the best game today, whatever. You know, just little things just to like keep, keep me in. Keep um, me humble, really, just stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's quite unique. Actually, it's quite special that your old man's managed to um, to build a relationship with you, where you know that he's super passionate about your mm -hmm. game, but you don't feel that he's putting you under any pressure to perform. Yeah. No, I think that's just it's just the way it is. He was always his big thing with me when I was younger was do your best because he'd watch me and he says sometimes like it's a couple of times where I'd play and it's like if I wasn't trying hard enough, that was the one thing he always said was work hard and do it properly else what's the point in being there but he never he would never if I had a bad game he'd never hammer me if I had a good game he'd never big me up too much it was always just just do it properly and if he knew that I was trying my best like that that was all that, that, was, that was all he wanted yeah that was all he wanted sounds like a good guy yeah uh this one tricks people up sometimes what was your best performance in your opinion ever best performance um it's a tough one I think there's there's been like there's been few for like different reasons but the one the one that I always remember was when I was at I was at Barnsley and we played against Nottingham Forest um I think it was just before I moved to Villa I think it probably helped me get a move to be fair um I think we ended up losing 3-2 as well but I always remember just the one moment it's my favourite assist I've ever got I played like a 1-2 with Marley Watkins took a big touch down the line and whipped a cross in um and obviously I think Sam Winnell headed it in I think we went 1-0 up after like two minutes I ended up getting man of the match that day. I think it was the first time I got man of the match. Came, I think I had a bottle of champagne. Like afterwards, I was taking a photo of it. Everybody loved it. 
and they ended up losing 3-2 but I just remember I don't know if it actually was my best performance overall but it's the one that sticks in my head the most I think obviously it was the first my first man of the match in like a professional game like I remember the assist so well and I think that in and out it's like little little bits of my game was really well was really good but I can't obviously picking out like your favourite game so so difficult sometimes off the off the cuff but um, that's the one that sticks in my head in my head the most because I asked that question really to, to sort of gain some perspective over you know did you feel a certain way before that game like did you prepare a different way like what yeah. was the the overall surroundings uh, you know obviously you've sticking out a moment of the your favourite assist and yeah. um, man of the match but was there anything else uh, as part of that match day experience that you can remember sticking out as in you did this so that happened or, or whatever um, it's worth I think I always remember I remember I think I felt I think I had a girlfriend at the time and we'd fallen out just before the game or something and I was just proper up for the game I was like right I'm just gonna go out there and like I think I was like I want to do someone early doors or like something like that. I was just super up for the game and obviously it ended up working out for me in the end I think I ended up going out after that night and you, I, it was all fine like your missus now is gonna have to start uh, having arguments with her before match day so. <laughs> yeah, just start kicking off and that Nah, I don't think it'd work all the time, but that one, <laughs> that one thing, like it, it worked out all right. Uh, next one, uh, the most difficult moment of your career? Um, probably just been, probably the time when, it, so it would have been a time when I was at Aston Villa, just when I wasn't, when I wasn't playing, when I was just completely out of it, because I think Villa was probably the only setback that I've had in football. And I was in such a good situation before that, the move to Villa was on such a high and then just that things didn't quite work out for me there. And obviously I ended up, I ended up leaving and I had a year left on my contract and it was like, right, we, we they pretty much said, we, you're not going to be involved here. Like if you want to get off that, like you can get off. And I think at that point, that was probably the lowest moment for me. Cause it was just like, I, I still felt like I was good enough to, to give that team something there. And I wanted to test myself at the highest level. And I think obviously to not even get the chance to to prove myself there because I, I think I only played 20, 25 times, 30 times, something like that for Villa whilst I was there. I just feel like I never really got the run that I needed to, to prove myself and I think that's one thing that um, is probably the lowest point just because I, I, um, I regret it so much. And I think obviously, apart from that, I think um, even though it was such a high, I think losing the playoff semis last year with, with Luton was an absolute killer. Um just I've been in those situations before, but I've never really been, I've never really felt like a true part of the team because I've played like a bit part in it instead of being like a proper, like obviously last year I played pretty much every game. Like we'd done so well to get to that point. Um, Drew in the first leg played, all of us played so well in the second leg. And obviously we just didn't get the result that we wanted. And I think I was just so down after that game for probably like two or three days. We were just like, why like, just thought like we've done so much like we've done enough to get to that point but we just didn't quite get there which is a weird one really because we've done so well to get there um and obviously we overachieved massively in, in other people's eyes but for us we've done we've done what we thought we could I think it was just upsetting not to get that chance to go and and really test ourselves in that in that playoff final I think it does speak volumes of you mate really as a player mm -hmm. and probably more so as a person really that you know these experiences at Villa haven't ultimately defined your football career mm -hmm. and you've been able to to use that as as motivation to go on and, and succeed and hopefully obviously succeed further from this point mm -hmm. it's one of the massive themes really of it the guys that I speak to obviously are you know successful players ultimately and 
they have all overcome some sort of hardship, uh, you know, to be successful. And I think yours is, uh, you know, is an incredible example of resilience. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, moving to Aston Villa must have probably been the best feeling ever, right? He's moved to a, an enormous football club. The perception of it is, you know, this James Bree superstar, young player, going to Villa, and you think, oh my God, this is going to be me for, yeah. for the end of time. It doesn't happen such that way, obviously. It doesn't work out yeah. for you. It can be so easy then to just to, to fall away and to think, oh, I've been hard done by, I never got an opportunity. Like, it's it's not my fault. But you didn't. You didn't allow that to happen. You've, you've sort of used it as fuel to, to be successful and it doesn't happen to everybody. Are you Like, how... How hard has it been for you to to use that, uh, I guess, I don't want to call it a negative feeling because it wasn't. It's still, you know, an amazing experience for you. But, you know, that challenging moment of not being in the team when you thought you should have to go on now and, and to play as well as you are. I think it's just one of those things where you always look back at it. And I know that I do now. And I think I'm in such a, I'm in such a good situation now. I'm, I'm super happy with, with how everything's going. Like, I love it at Luton. and like, all the lads there are class. I think... Just one of them things where I think, right, yeah, now I kind of use it as motivation as in if I do, right, eventually I want to get back to a, a, a big club or play in the Premier League, like I said, whether it's with Luton or someone else. Like I think when I get to that point again, I just want to do everything, everything I can to make sure that I am going to play because in my head at the time when I was, when I was at Villa, I thought I was doing everything right. I thought I was doing enough. But when you look back and nitpick, I didn't really understand what I had to be doing at that time. So I probably wasn't I probably wasn't doing enough. Um and I just think like it's just really giving me the motivation for when I do eventually get back to that point that I know exactly what I need to do and that I won't I won't look back from that point, do you know what I mean? Yeah, good. Um uh, third to last. The best player that you've ever played with? Um quite, I think Jack Grealish, I think when I was at when I was at Villa, he was he was unbelievable. I think obviously John Terry was there as well towards the end of his career, which was an unbelievable experience. Um, playing alongside him, I played centre half him in the in the cup against Peterborough. Uh, we shipped him free and ended up losing in the cup. To be fair, but obviously he was he was unbelievable. But yeah, Jack Grealish was just he was just different class. I think obviously I played against him quite a lot in training every day. Like couldn't get the ball off him. I don't think I tackled him in the in the three three four years I was there. Like he was so so good. Like really like so like aggressive as in like he wanted to win every single day in training he'd done everything pro he'd done everything right he was in the gym every day just technically unbelievable as well like some of the things he'd done in training was 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 crazy but yeah he definitely definitely him see how people speak about him and like you, how you've mentioned him there how his ex-teammates talk about him that he you know because the perception of Jack Grealish is you know he's known thousands and thousands of people going to listen mm -hmm. to this I can't imagine he will either but the you know, people's perception of Jack Grealish when he's on the beer after he's, you know, after he's won the, the Premier League or yeah. he's, when he's on holiday and, and doing something silly mm -hmm. is that he doesn't take his football seriously. But that's not quite the case. Like all his old teammates say that he's bang on it. Yeah. He, honestly, he was, you'd never, you'd never, you'd never seen it as much because he'd just stay, he'd stay at the training ground until like eight, nine o'clock at night. Like he'd, I, I was I was there. I think like oh, I'll go in the gym straight after training. I'd get off home. He'd stay there with the sports scientist Ollie. He was like best friends, best friends of him. He'd stay there until on a night, or Ollie'd go around to his house and do gym there. Like he was constantly, constantly getting better. Um, I think the stuff like that. Like obviously he goes out and he enjoys a drink and stuff. But I think he gets this. He gets like the bad press sometimes. But like he's a lovely geezer. Like he's just a normal bloke. Like everyone wants to go out and have a drink when they've done something well. 
I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Obviously, he gets a bad perception sometimes, but like he does everything right. He deserves to go out and do that kind of stuff. And he's he's, he's done so well, obviously for himself. Now, obviously at Man City, so like can't really blame him. Can you? Uh, no, I, I I agree, and I, I think it's great insight for me, really, into mm-hmm. because. You know, I don't get an, an insight into what Jack Grealish, you know, his training life is like, yeah. and and the perception quite easily could be that he's just he's super talented naturally and he doesn't really work at it. But yeah. it's quite obviously not the case. So you know, just does go to show that these elite guys are are all elite for a reason. Mm-hmm. Is that you know, there's no there's no shortcuts ultimately to being at the top, is there? No. Oh, no. Uh, okay, the most important attribute in your opinion the players need to have if they're going to make a career out of the game. Um, probably mentality I think because I think it's so easy for people for, for lads when they're young to be technically so good or like looked at as so good but if you've not got the right mentality to keep at your goals then I just don't think like you will end up getting there I think um I see you, everyone will have seen it when you've grown up with a lad who's just so much better than everyone else like unbelievable at football and then he just ends up falling away whether it be he starts partying or turns to drink or whatever it is and I think if they had that resilience just to keep going and to be able to put that aside then so many more lads would be able to make it because there's so many talented boys who just don't end up don't end up making the grade for whatever reason normally it is because they end up getting to a certain age whether it's 16 17 and just turn into different stuff uh, in my personal experience and with the friends that that I had growing up and knowing how good they were and that they should have should have made something of themselves is that that's that's what I personally think anyway that uh, you see like that mental toughness that you're talking about like mm-hmm. it's difficult for and we've obviously spoken about it in this conversation it's tough unless you go through something to mm-hmm. to obviously know if you're if you're tough or not as mm-hmm. you say like that that young guys they're not going to be able to to know if they're tough or not until they go through things but they need to be aware of it mm-hmm. at the very very start yeah it's just it's just you do you're never going you're never going to fully know because when you're 15 or however old you you never know if you're going to make it, but you have that feeling of at least let's, let me give everything. Let me give it a chance to like get to that point. And like there's so many lads who maybe they get rid that, um, get let go as a scholar and they think like, right, like maybe this isn't for me or, um, get the first professional contract and then, then never get anything else. And it's so e- I think it's easier at that point to, to give up because it's a setback and you think like, oh, like maybe I'll just turn to this. I'll go do this. I'll go to uni. I'll, do like that but I think if you if you can just keep going and just give it one more shot and give it everything you have it's easy for me to sit here and say it now because obviously I've I've, I've had a career and I've never really had to deal with something like that but obviously my best friend at the time who went through that he just and I, I think he'd be happy for me to say that he just never really give himself the best opportunity to really go and make it because he didn't he didn't get his pro he had all his clips he was some of the things that he could do was unbelievable he got offered to go to like Norway and play for a little bit and like like little like non-league teams and stuff or lower down he just never really committed to going and doing it and now when I speak to him he says like oh I just wish I'd have took that plunge and got out of my comfort zone and gone and done it just to give myself that chance to actually to get to where I wanted to be because there was nothing more than he wanted to be than a professional footballer but he just didn't want to take himself out of that comfort zone to, to really go do it. I think you, obviously I know that your career is, is taking a different path to that and you mm-hmm. haven't had to experience the, you know, being released at, I guess, 15, 16 and, and overcoming that. And, mm-hmm. but you have overcome quite a lot in, you know, in, in eight years, you just played at 
you know, the second highest level in the country, which is in the world, which is like ridiculous still level still. And, mm -hmm. and obviously you have aspirations of, of playing in the Premier League, but that perception that people get of, of like, oh, James Bream made his debut when he's 16. Like, oh, he's, he played for Villa. He, he's, you know, in a championship playoffs for Luton, that it's all like a breeze and, and everything's absolutely fine and, and there's no there's no difficulties is is not quite the case. No, it's never as it's I know easy you're not, to you're not gonna want to be like, oh no, that it's really hard, it's really tough. Yeah. And 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 I'm sort of almost trying to draw out challenges from yeah. you for people's benefit. But what I'm trying to get at is that no matter what level you play at, if you're successful or not, like if you know, one of the most successful players arguably that I've had on this podcast, yeah. so I appreciate your time, but the you have had to overcome stuff to to be successful. Yeah, I think looking from the outside, like everyone, you know the the cliche that our oh, footballers get it easy, like they get paid whatever, like they don't have to go through certain stuff. Like it's never like that. Everything's everything's always hard behind closed doors, and I'm not going to say it's the hardest thing in the world to do. But there's days sometimes where I wake up, I don't want to go to training because you just your body's tired or like something's happened at home or whatever, and you just think like, oh, I just can't really bother today. It's just getting through getting through that and stuff but um I'll, I'll I'll be open and honest like I I love I love football like I love going in every single day and thank god like I've never really had to go through something that's really really affected like how I am able to perform um at football so I'm quite I'm quite lucky with that but obviously everyone has like little setbacks and challenges that they they have to deal with in in, in any walk of life and it's just being able to deal with that and obviously and uh how you come out the other side of it uh last one mate what advice would you give to a young James Breed just starting out his career? Which wasn't that long ago, to be fair. Yeah. Um, I was having this conversation with a mate at the gym the other day and I think I'm I'm quite happy with how everything's gone in my career so far. So I'd just say, I'd just say keep doing what you're doing and make sure that you're doing everything right because the way that I started my career, I'd, I wouldn't go back and, and change anything. The only thing, obviously, that we spoke about is I probably, if I was at Villa, again, I'd have done it a little bit different, as in, like, really committing to being away from home. Um, but, yeah, I'd just say just keep doing what you're doing. I think the way the way my mum and dad brought me up, the way they, they'd done everything with me, I was I was always in a good position to be able to, to deal with things like that anyway. Um, so, yeah, I'd just, I'd, I'd just tell him, like, just enjoy yourself, enjoy the ride, um, and just see how far you can go with it, because... I've done so much more in the game already than I ever thought I would have done. When I was 15, 16, I seen myself coming through at Barnsley, maybe staying at Barnsley. I thought maybe I'll just stay at Barnsley. If, I, if someone had offered me that at, at 15, 16 and said, you can play for Barnsley your whole career, I'd have been absolutely delighted with that. I'd say, you play till you're 32, 33, 34, however old. Like I'd, just, I'd just probably snapped your hand off for it. Um, so to get where I've been and, and to do what I've done in the game so far, I'm so... I'm, I'm so pleased that I've been able to do this. And I think obviously the older I've got, the more ambitions you get, like what, where you want to play, how high you want to play and stuff. So I just think, yeah, I just tell them, just keep doing what you're doing. Just enjoy yourself, man. Appreciate it, James. Uh, you know, there's so much there that we've spoken about that it's completely different journeys that sometimes other people's obviously it's no right or no wrong, but you were exposed to first team football at the age of 16. You've always, you know, you've already gone through quite a lot in a short space of time. Um, and an insight into your experiences and your opinions I think that'll be really beneficial for people so thank you for your time mate thank you mate enjoyed it cool. cheers bro